Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Margaret felt that she'd been betrayed by her sister. I think he was concerned that Harry had, hadn't known Meghan for very long and that they were marrying. We don't actually know what went on between the two brothers, but it would not be unreasonable for some for an older brother to question a younger brother. Kate and Meghan are very, very different people. They have you know different backgrounds, and it's, I think it's possible. And I think as they grow older and they have families and children, and they find different roles, which they very clearly are going to. That there will be a, that they will come back together again. Hi there and welcome to New Idea Royals. It's the only podcast that takes us behind the scenes of palace life. I'm Smitter Mystery and today we'll be talking about royal siblings. Joining us today to share all her knowledge is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi Angela. Hi Smitter. How are you doing? Good. So we're talking, this is, a, this is an interesting one. I love, I love relationships between siblings. So that's what we're talking about today. I think of all the royal siblings, it's perhaps the Queen and um, late Princess Margaret who are the most intriguing. What can you tell us about their relationship, Ange? Well, I think what's most interesting about these two is that they never expected that they would be um, the Queen and the sister of the Queen. Of course, they weren't going to be. It was going to be Edward who would take over the throne and, you know, um, Edward's brother George, um, Bertie, he became George obviously when he became king. Um, there was – you know, there was no indication as they were little that that was going to happen. Then, of course, Edward abdicated. Um, George took the throne. Um, and suddenly Elizabeth, sorry, George VI took the throne and Elizabeth was in pole position for, um, becoming the heir. And there's a, there's a comment that Margaret once said to her sister, does this mean you'll one day become queen? To which Elizabeth apparently replied, Mm, I suppose it does. <laughs> now, because they were, they were very close as sisters, but of course the difficulties that came with that, um, as the queen at a very, very young age, having to make incredibly difficult decisions, then was faced with her sister, Margaret, having uh, a relationship with a divorcee, um, group captain Peter Townsend. Yes. Now that, when that relationship, you know, we've, we've seen from shows like The Crown, um, I know that the dramatizations of it, but they're very, they stick very closely to the truth, particularly when it came to that story. You know, it must have been heartbreaking. We saw in that show that, you know, Margaret loved this man and wanted to marry him, but the public wouldn't accept a marriage to a divorcee. Interestingly now, you know, um, we see, you know, Meghan Markle's a divorcee, yeah. Princess Anne, three of the ch- Queen's children have, have divorced. Um, it's, it's more commonplace and accepted, but heartbreaking at the time for the Queen to have to make the decision and for Margaret to have to accept that decision. And there was a very much a cooling for a number of years over that period where, you know, uh, Margaret felt that she'd been betrayed by her sister and the Queen was in this, you know, she was first and foremost, um, committed to country, be- had to become before family. Um, you know, people at the time said that she was devastated, but she came to realize that really the queen had little choice at the time. And they did, as it became, as, as it grew closer to, um, Margaret's death, um, they did, they did become very close. And obviously with the queen mother and the queen, of course, lost 
Princess Margaret and then her mother within months of each other. It must have been devastating for Tough, her. But interestingly, yeah. not many people know this, that one of the um, Queen's favourite people in the royal family is Margaret's um, daughter, Sarah Armstrong-Jones, who went on to marry Daniel Chatto, who's an um, artist. And Sarah is loves horses and she's very creative. And they've always had an incredibly close relationship. And I think that's... I think that's a lovely thing, both for Sarah and both for the Queen, to have this relationship with her sister's daughter. Yeah. Mm. And so you said they were very close, Oak, and I think you just touched on this as well. How, how were their relations towards the end of Margaret's life? Well, Margaret was a very, very sick woman. I mean, she smoked a lot, she drank a lot. Um, you know, she she didn't really quite have the work ethic that the Queen did. You know, you, whenever you read about um, Margaret, she would be entertaining in Mauritius when on her sort of estate, and of course she married. Anthony Armstrong Jones and, you know, that was a failed marriage. There was a lot of loneliness in her life. Look, they were close in later life, but they were very different polar opposites lives. Yeah. I mean, the Queen works like a demon. And Margaret, um, you know, Margaret worked, but she also socialised a lot. <laughs> Called her the party girl, didn't they? They did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, moving on to Prince uh, um, William and Harry, no one will forget that sight of them walking behind their mother's coffin. Um, in what way did her uh, death influence their relationship? Mm. Well, I mean, they're, they're two brothers. They're a bit like the Queen and Margaret. They were only two siblings. So they were always close. They're close in age, as we know. But after their mother's death, they were in this unique position that they were in the glare of publicity. They had, to a certain extent, had... I wouldn't say remote father, but their mother had been the effusive and affectionate one, and they had a father who was who was a lot more royal, in, in fact. So they, they turned to each other. They confided in each other. We know that they set up their charities together. They organized events to mark the 10th and 20th anniversary of Diana's death. They cooperated on joint charities, as we know. More latterly, of course, we've read lots of reports and there's been lots of commentary about the fact that they have had a falling out. Now, I suspect there is some tension between them. William's a very dutiful man. I mean, he he himself, in his relationship with Kate, when it had been going on for many years, he had to question himself whether or not this relationship was going to last the distance. He didn't want to have a broken marriage. So they had a bit of time apart and then, of course, got back together. I think he was concerned that Harry had hadn't known Meghan for very long and that they were marrying. We don't actually know what went on between the two brothers, but it would not be unreasonable for some for an older brother to question a younger brother. Um, a younger brother who's spoken about his own vulnerability, about his own grief, um, who's spoken about mental health issues, it wouldn't be unreasonable, I think, for, for William to sit down with his brother and question. Now, we're always very protective of relationships, particularly in that phase that we call the limerence phase in the first three years where we're deeply infatuated and, you know, it takes three years for it to just sort of soften out to a normal relationship. Now, they hadn't got to that point and they, in a sense, didn't have the time to get to that point. Megan was already 36. That If they wanted to have children, they sort of had to move quite quickly with it. I think Harry uh, William probably did question on um, the nature of the relationship and that may have got Harry's back up. We do know that some of his friends also questioned the relationship and the speed of it. So I wonder if they're, and you know, Kate and Megan are very, very different people. They have, you know, different backgrounds. And, but I don't think that they're not, it's, I think it's possible. And I think as they grow older and they have families and children and they find different roles, which they very clearly are going to, that there will be a, that they will come back together again. I think there's, I think they're just testing the waters at the moment. I hope they can sort out their 
um, you know, half the problem sometimes is not the people themselves, it's the people around them. And we know this during the Diana years that the courtiers in the palace created a lot of, a lot of the, um, muckraking and the, and the kind of, um, the sort of gossip mongering that led to the lots of the problems. So I, I hope there's, I hope they keep communicating well, the two brothers, and I hope the two couples continue to communicate reasonably well so that there is this, um, you know, that they are on message. The last thing the Queen needs is a divisive family. Again, she's been through that. Um, I think they have the common sense to sort of draw back together while having their separate roles. What about the Queen's children? It's um, almost like the Queen had two sets of children, isn't it, with the the gap in between. That's right. Yeah. So she had um, uh, Charles and Anne and then um, and almost a decade later had Andrew and Edward. So it was almost like two distinct families. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning when she first took uh, – you know, she after the coronation she had her children. Uh, well, she had her children. And then um, she was very busy queening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, then she decided to have these children later on. They're very different, mm-hmm. all four of them. I mean, honestly, you could not get four different children. You've got Anne, who's incredibly strong-willed and forthright, gets on very well with Prince Philip. He's uh, She's his favourite. Charles, who was a softer, gentler character, who really did need better parenting. He needed closer parenting. He was, you know, a softer, gentler boy. He was sent away to boarding school, which he hated. Um they, those two were very different. Andrew and Edward, you know, Anne was a tomboy. Um, you know, Charles was sensitive. Andrew and Edward, they were sort of, they sort of got on with it. They didn't have the focus so much and they were younger children. They all get together and they're all happy at family gatherings, but there's a lot of question marks over how much they see each other between times. It's not like, you know, it's not like you could say Andrew and Charles are best buddies or anything like that. It's, it's not that kind of family, but I wonder whether the, formality of that kind of family uh, family life prohibits that kind of closeness yep. anyway it's 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 all you know if you haven't got parents who show you a lot of affection and communication because effectively you've been brought up with nannies then you're not going to really learn that with your own siblings that's something that has to be modeled to you for for you to actually understand and grasp that so i think they do the best they can but i don't think they're that close what about now do they still see each other often or is it more just at like that just at events events, christmas and that and i look i think they they have as they've grown older and softened i mean through the through the andrew charles fergie diana years that was very strange because the relationship with diana and fergie initially close became strained i mean they all of them had a lot going on they had a lot of broken relationships you sort of think i wonder having three of them having gone through broken marriages to what extent they were supports for each other i don't think so i think they you know they're all very well connected um and they have their very posh aristocratic friends who they lean on and so for instance when charles was uh having his relationship with camilla parker bowles but people didn't know about it he had people that um, kept that relationship secret. Yeah. So I think they turned outside the family for support rather than into each other. Um, as I say, I think it's probably what was modelled to them. They weren't modelled closeness. So how do you know, how can you be what you can't see effectively? And Princess Diana, um, she had a, a, a troubled upbringing. Um, to what extent were her siblings a support to her? Interestingly, this family could have been wonderful and wasn't. Um, sad, you know, her father and mother, their relationship broke down. Mother left. Mm. So she was with her, um, with her father. She had a very difficult age. Um, I remember reading Tina Brown's biography of Diana and I love the line where she said, 
that Diana began to – Diana's dad was a photographer. He loved taking photographs. And, and Tina Brown made an excellent point, which was that Diana from a very early age began to associate the camera with love. And I think as she married Charles and she was very young and she was suddenly – you know, photographed all the time. She did. She saw this is, um, she, you know, she saw this as a, anytime photos were taken of it, it was, she, she associated it with love, which inc- became a problem between her and Charles, obviously, in their relationship, because suddenly anyone was, no one was interested in him. And every time they were on a walkabout and the, everyone was clamoring to, to, to shake hands with Diana, not Charles. As for her siblings, she's uh, she had a really difficult situation because her elder sister, Jane, who we know Harry is still very good friends with and was one of the first people to go and see baby Archie, Jane was married to Robert Fellows, who was the Queen's private secretary during the Diana years. So you had her number one person, official person, married to Diana's sister. So you can imagine Robert Fellows, can't you, going home and saying to Jane at night, oh, my God, <laughs> we're having to manage this, we're having to manage this. Also, Jane and um, um, and her elder sister, so um, Sarah and Jane, you know, they were the older sisters. They were more responsible. Then Diana was the third sister, and she always grew up knowing that her, her dad wanted a boy. And so then Charles was born. And, you know, we saw at the funeral, Diana and Charles as children were very close. And during the difficult years of Diana's marriage to Charles, she turned to her brother and asked to live, go back to live on the family estate. And he said, no, you can't because it's, it's going to, you know, it'll be a rumpus. There'll be, you know, photographers everywhere. Yeah. And she felt incredibly let down by that. She really needed a bolt hole at that stage. And interestingly, when he came out at her funeral and said, you know, there's the royal family and this is her blood family and sort of stood up there, you know, fairly pompously and said that everyone else was wrong and that were right. A lot of question, you know, that he was questioned for being a hypocrite because the fact was that he had let her down when, when she needed him. Yeah. Again, and he, that family lived in South Africa for many years. He was married to um, a model, Victoria. They had, I think it's three daughters and a son. But what's heartening, I think, about Diana's, particularly Sarah and Jane, is that they're mature, they're responsible, they are aunts to Harry and William. And I think they take that role very seriously, as seen by um, one of them, I don't ask me which one, but one of them is a godparent to the, one of the Cambridge's children. So, and I imagine that I wouldn't be surprised if, um, either Jane or Sarah is a godparent to Archie. Um, I think it's lovely that they have stepped in. They know, particularly, um, Jane knows the royal system through her husband. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they've almost stepped in to that void left by um, Diana. So it's nice to think that. But certainly when Diana was growing up, again, it wasn't the close-knit sort of solid. She had a good relationship with her sisters. In fact, she said to his, you know, she said to one of her sisters as she was about to get married that, um, you know, she wanted to pull out and one of the sisters said, well, you can't, Ducky, because your face is on the tea towel. So, um, <laughs> too late. <laughs> too late. But, um, look, you know, close, but could they have been close? Or, or was it actually Diana was quite difficult and it was hard for them to be close? I don't know. There's a lot of questions where only they know the nature of that relationship. But, you know, not all siblings get on. And I think That's our right. expectation <laughs> that they will, um, can sometimes, you know, uh, be a little bit um, of a high expectation. Yeah. Um, finally, George VI and Edward VIII, they were two brothers whose futures would not turn out as expected. Can you tell us a bit about them? Well, interestingly, you know, um, 
George, who was the one that went on to become the queen, uh, the king, he was born Albert, known as Bertie. Yeah. He went on to be king. Um, he was quite a physically weak child, and Edward, of course, was always going to be the um, the monarch. But um, their father, George V, said near the end of his life that Edward ru- would ruin himself within 12 months after his death, and it turned out to be correct. I mean, Edward abdicated in 1936 because of obviously his relationship with the American divorcee, Wallace Simpson. These divorces have really <laughs> troubled the royal family for years. I mean, I'm glad that they now got on with it and actually it's all okay. But the, but then, of course, Albert um, was thrust into this role um, as king, which he wasn't expecting. He became um, George VI and then, of course, his wife, Elizabeth, the late Queen Mother, um, never really forgave Edward for thrusting her um, husband into this position. Edward was then banished overseas. So there was a lot of – and then George had to make decisions about Edward and how he would be treated. Um, and then the Queen in turn had to do the same. She had to make decisions about um, about how her uncle was treated henceforth. So a lot of unrest in the family at that stage. But I tell you what, it does make for fantastic TV programs, doesn't it? <laughs> I love The Crown. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I can't wait for um, season three to come out with Olivia Colman as the Queen and oh, there's all sorts of great people. And they've cast Diana now and yes. she looks, she's an unknown. She looks fantastic though. So lots to look forward to. Definitely. Um, thanks again, Ange, for today and thanks everyone for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or Facebook page New Idea Royals. And of course, don't forget to check out our latest Royal Mini Mag in the current issue of New Idea. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.